This meeting is being recorded. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 98 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got uh, Bill Sutton with me. I don't know how to introduce you anymore, Billy. We've been together so long and even longer been talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, you, Ben, and I were just having a theoretical conversation, and it's like we complete each other's sentences. Bill, Bill, how's it going? It's going well, Andy. How long have we been having Citrix conversations? Oh, geez, man. Well, I've been with Integra three years, and it was at least a decade before then. So, yeah, maybe 13 to 15 years. It's, it's kind of easy for me to 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 somewhat remember. Um, so I was at Citrix probably it's probably 2010 because the the day I met you, the night before I met you, I uh, ran out of my house to drive to Richmond and I jumped in my little Ford Fusion and I forgot my suitcase. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I got to Richmond at uh, midnight and the only thing yeah. open was Walmart and I went and bought clothes at Walmart so I could come to uh, be at the presentation you were at the next day. Yeah, I remember that story. And but you did remember all of your all your gear that was in your Ford Fusion, as I recall. Well, that's right. I, I, all the demo gear I bought, right. I brought I, that I remembered. It was my clothes I forgot, which you know right. for me that's free status quo. <laughs> so uh, Ben Rogers with Ben's uh, been a few weeks, right? Since you've been on a podcast, I can't remember. I don't think I've done a podcast in 2022. So happy new year to everybody. Happy new year to you, Andy. I've already done it to Bill. So I'm glad to be back and glad to be participating for the 2022 season. We got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah. So I wish we could go back and uh, hit the record button on that conversation. We were just having around clouds and where stuff's going to go. I was, uh, I'll do a quick Zintegra sales pitch here. We, we have the ability to host workloads in Azure in AWS uh, in our data centers, New York, uh, LA, excuse me, New York, Santa Clara, and uh, Atlanta. And uh, we have the help, ability to help customers manage their workloads, desktop, digital workspace, or others in their data centers. Uh, this world of clouds is becoming cloudier. The more it evolves, uh, it gets cloudier, which is kind of interesting. And we just probably spent 15 minutes talking about that before we hit the record button. Well, I mean, I think I think one thing that the listeners would be interested in is, is we see more customers now going, we want to get our desktops out of our uh, data centers, but they don't want to let the databases go or the applications go. So the, the problem that then exists is now you've separated the load of workstation and application. And what customers are really thriving to do is get those as close as we can. And that's what you know kind of led to the conversation of how do you deal with these customers that want to keep their application and their databases on-prem for compliance reasons, man, healthcare uh, is, is really hip to all that, pays attention to that. But at the same time, they go, we're ready to release the desktops, put those in the cloud, let those live on other infrastructures. But to cut down on network latency, we want to get those as close as we can together. And that's where the conversations get real interesting is how do you get a cloud SaaS service like DAS, yeah. which is a big topic for Citrix now, uh, and get that as close to an on-prem application database scenario. And you and I were kind of talking about the ways technology can do that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I'm, I want to ask a question in a second. I'll come back to it. But, you know, you, you comment you comment about getting them as close together, but also have them far enough apart where disaster recovery conversations become part of that conversation without having to force it. Uh, it's, it I want my cake and I want my icing. I want both. Yeah. I mean, if I if I was still director of IT at CNSA, what I would be asking people is, I'm all hip to cloud. I like the infrastructure of Azure and all that. But I want you to extend that into my on-prem data center so that it can live here. If we're 100%, everything's running on-prem. We're just filtering all that down the 
cloud, running on uh, equipment that's running on prem. If we have a disaster, we'll flip the switch, or we'll let GSLB flip the switch, and we'll run it in cloud somewhere else. But again, it's to try to get the latency down as much as we can because we have seen scenarios where customers have gone workstation and cloud back to on prem and have introduced some latency that's caused some problems. Yeah. Uh, I really want to ask you um, how much of this thought process is um, impacted by uh, your healthcare focus mindset versus general IT mindset. And I know we don't have time to go through all that now. Uh, does, does it change though? If you take your healthcare oriented uh, thought processes off of that conversation or is it the same or is it different? Uh, it's a little bit different, man, because you know, where, where I tend to drive healthcare conversations around compliance, you know, how, how are you dealing with compliance? And when you make that move to cloud storage, how do you know where the data is going to be? So you don't get into, you know, any kind of government regulation trouble or anything like that. Uh, you know, man, when you're talking about manufacturing, a lot of those companies are not, you know, the customer database is important, but I don't see a lot of them asking questions around compliance, how do we make sure that this is going to stay in the states where we don't have to get into, you know, any of the European uh, controls that are going on, especially around privacy, uh, personal privacy and patient privacy. So it, it primarily is a healthcare conversation for me, but Andy, that's probably 75% of the customers that I talk to these days are healthcare oriented or compliant oriented. Yeah. Well, and I think it applies in both cases. Bill, before we move on to our actual topic for today, any, uh, anything you want to add to well, that? You know, it's kind of funny when, when you asked that question, my first thought was it's the same um, from a technical perspective, you know, in terms of latency and such, um, it, it really is the same. But when you start talking about compliance, like you said, Ben, it it's kind of driven largely by the industry. I mean, when you talk about fintech, they would have a lot of compliance, you know, financial services a lot of compliance regulations and data governance and those sort of things, just like healthcare. But again, to your point, manufacturing probably would not or may not, depending on where they are. Uh, but I think from a technical perspective, having the the data, uh, the data database as close to your delivery mechanism as possible, kind of is the old the old uh, adage that we used to uh, subscribe to back in the day. You know, don't put your Zenapp servers in one place and your your data in another place. They need to be as close to bit together on low latency connections to get the best performance. And I think that still rings true. It's just now we've got things in the cloud and things on-prem and we've got to figure out how to make that work properly. Well, if, if I could kind of sum that up and transition us, uh, compliance and security, all really important thing, but if you don't have happy users, then what the heck? I mean, you gotta have you gotta have all the above. And that's that's right. Kind of a big part of the reason why people choose Citrix is because. We can get a lot of those things covered in one product set, not one product, but one product set. Um, so uh, to transition into the, the blog for today, uh, the title is Preview. Uh, preview is probably a key word there. Uh, adaptive access based on network location for Citrix workspace. And I'm assuming that's going to be workspace service or workspace app and all the above. We'll jump into that here in a second. Uh, this is a blog from uh, earlier this month um, from uh, Mansi. As saying, I don't know, Ben, did I think I said that right? The, the Her name? Uh, I, I assume so. I, I don't know, Nancy. Yeah, no worries. But anyway, the uh, the, the blog is about um, adaptive access based on network location. And I really don't know much about this topic at all. Ben, you want to introduce us to the concept in general? Yeah, man. What, what this is really geared to is you have an employee that can work for multiple locations. 
in some locations, like, you know, let's take healthcare, for example. When our physicians are inside the hospital, we might want to present them a voice dictation app that allows them to do EMR, uh, you know, record taking. But when that physician is off site, we might not want to present that voice recognition system to him. We might not want him doing medical record uh, dictating why he's off site. We might want to pin him pin the physician to doing that on-prem. So this is really what adaptive off is about is as users move around, whether they're on-prem or off-site or where they might be off-site, that might be something that we look at, you know, are they in the United States or are they outside the United States? We're going to look at the services, the applications, the file services that we're going to deliver to them. And in certain cases, we might mask things away from them because they're not in a location that we're comfortable uh, allowing them to use those resources. So, so Ben, I heard clearly that we can control based on where they're sitting at the moment, what they can see. And then I jumped down to this bullet here. It kind of talks about what they can do, like, you know, map USB drives, printer access. Bill, is that is that the other big thing that's been needed in this space for a long time? Yeah, I mean, you can sum up this blog, I think, um, in just a real quick sentence by saying this is the old smart access concept with Netscaler in the cloud leveraging cloud-based policy frameworks to determine where the user's coming from and then drive the experience based on that, um, based on their location. So you can set policies to enable clipboard mapping or file drive, uh, file drive, (laughs) file mapping, um, those sorts of things uh, based on user location. So, but guys, is this, is this just the old stuff moved into the, and by old, I don't mean to, um, uh, make it derogative sounding at all. It's it's really advanced stuff that a lot of people don't take advantage of. Is this just basically that, but now as part of the workspace service offering where you don't have to have those Netscalers uh, ADCs configured to do this for you? Well, I mean, I think in some cases you could move away from the Netscalers on-prem and you could take this to the cloud. And then obviously what that does is that gives you more geographic dispersion. So you were mentioning in your data centers, New York, Atlanta, LA, you know, if you got a West Coast user, you're going to be able to take them to the West Coast data center. That's yeah. the same idea here, but at, you know, the ADC level. ADC is a service that's coming down the pipe. Uh, so, you know, we're looking at being able to give customers the ability, again, to get the user closer to the technology. And then the other thing is uh, Bill's educated on me. I, I didn't realize this was, was technology that was being introduced in our cloud services. Um, again, we're just trying to bring that technology where it doesn't have to be pinned on-prem. Yeah, so so I think we're all on the same page here. Bill, this is about taking what we have historically been able to do by deploying our own ADCs and now making it part of the service. And as Ben pointed out, allows it to be very robust and scalable. And you, Mr. Customer, don't have to even know how to know how to configure it. You just probably check some boxes and turn it on. Yeah, you check some boxes, you tell it like your your branch office or your location in Atlanta, or that's not the best way of putting it. But yeah, if you're, you've got an office in Atlanta, uh, you basically tell the cloud what the public IP is of that. And so when anybody accesses it, these policies take effect because they know they're coming from Atlanta. And if it doesn't come from that IP, then they take different effect because you're obviously not in Atlanta. Maybe if you're at home or or uh, you know, traveling, what have you, uh, then it can react differently. So yeah, it, it's it's a lot simpler to implement. You're not having to go into you know the ADC GUI and and create policies. It's really just a enter the IP and click done and and you're done. So so 
Bill, you, you run services here at Zintegra. If a customer had to pay us to implement this in one data center, historically, how many hours of um, pre-work and implementation and follow-up would we they be looking at having to pay for? Well, you know, I'm going to give you the consultant answer initially and say it depends. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, generally, depending on complexity, it probably be looking at four hours of prep. Uh, and then at least a day to get it implemented, and then maybe another day to test it and make sure and tweak it and so forth. So you're looking at probably three days worth of effort to get nope. this in place, depending on size. Now, factor doing that in your data center and having to work with your uh, secure ops team and networking team to get everything right. else opened up. Right. right. That just doubled probably. probably. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. Now think about the weed and feed after. And the weed and feed could be firewall people make a change. They got to make sure that change don't affect the net scale or the ADCs. Got to update the ADCs, right. all the vulnerabilities that's been coming out of late. I mean, when right. you talk, when you, it's one thing to go, this is what it's going to take to get it up and running, but it's another to come back and say, this is what it's going to take to maintain it and make it, you know, thrive in your environment. Yeah. So moving yeah. on through the article, it uh, talked about, now let's look at the option of network, uh, edit a network location screen is what the screen is. And it's got uh, four different bullets here. But let's just make sure we clearly articulate. Uh, the first one is, Location name, I guess that's something that uh, we define, right? It is, yes. Um, and so that's kind of limitless. You can pretty much define whatever you want at that point. Uh, the, the second bullet talks about public IP address range. So I guess uh, we're making the assumption, which probably be a good assumption, that our offices have static IPs or are at least on a certain uh, provider's public range. Mm -hmm. uh, and from that, we can make uh, intelligent decisions. Exactly. Yes. Uh, this one's always the wild card uh, tags using tags to uh, to provide. Now, what kind of tags is this talking about? So you would enter the name of a tag that would be associated with that location. It could be like they've got an example here, branch office. You could you know, you could put home office if you wanted to, whatever. But that tag is then used later when you create the policy so that it knows when to apply the appropriate uh, settings based on the tag. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the access policy where they're leveraging that tag. Um, and that access policy screen is very similar to what we used to see in storefront when we would set this up, this type of thing up with an ADC. Mm -hmm. So location tag, you can make it whatever you want, um, but you just got to reference it when you start setting the policies to apply the settings. You know, I have to share this with you. I, I, I'm debating in my mind whether I want to talk out loud about this, but uh, tags have always been interesting to me. And I, uh, I've recently been watching uh, Yellowstone, which is a Western based out in Wyoming kind of movie, right? And um, I was having to explain to my uh, son the other day about the tags they put in the ears of the cattle. So they knew what to do with the cattle, you know, which ones need to get uh, vaccinated, which ones need to go off to the slaughter market, which ones, you know, are uh, ready to have babies or whatever you. Uh, this totally, totally for me, applying that logic to how tags work in technology. Uh, just made a lot of sense to me. So I, I've got a question, man, because I've I've never used tags where I came from, and this was a fairly new concept to me. Do you see people implementing a lot of Citrix installation using tags? I'll, I'll answer first, and then let Bill answer. Um, as things become more and more complex, and things get uh, implemented as part of a service, I don't think you have a choice. Yeah, we don't see it a lot, uh, Ben, but. Uh, to Andy's point, uh, where we do see it is where there's been a lot more complexity or a lot more uh, granularity needed in assigning apps or assigning policies. 
but it's the it's right now it's probably more of an exception than it is the norm. See, like like with me, man, and I'm thinking about just managing departments coming back from my past. You would have to lay some serious, you know, guidelines on how these tags are used because oh, this yeah. wouldn't be something that would just be willy nilly because this could get out of control really quick and be disorganized, not functioning start having to dig down into it. Somebody made it a capital letter versus a lowercase letter. So this concept of tags, as cool as I think it is, coming from a management eye, I could see this having to be something that you really have to put some strict policy around. How yeah, you've got to be real deliberate about it up front. Uh, or like you said, it can end up being the Wild West or Yellowstone. Yeah, I think it's uh, <clears throat> interesting you bring that up because we, we spoke a minute ago, Bill, Bill and Ben, about the idea that you need less consulting time. But having the experience of someone who's done it and used tags before would be a good investment on the front end. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Sure. I don't think it, I, and you know, Andy, for me, I don't think any of these technologies takes away from needing consultants. You're just moving, you're just moving the technology. Now, granted, you might not need a consultant that knows how to do ADC programming, but you're going to need a consultant that understands how the ADCs work with the workspace and how the workspace works. So I see just the consulting, uh, the consulting engagement being a little bit different. And I also just see the consulting really needing to play at the 30,000 foot view instead of being just a specialist of what the problem is at hand. You won't have just an ADC guy anymore. You'll have a generalist that'll have to know all these different parts and how they work together. Yes. Agreed. For sure. All right. So the last bullet here talks about connectivity type. Uh, ben, you want to jump on that one? Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen, my guess would be, you know, I mean, you're looking at bandwidth restrictions if you have to put some of those things in. I mean, I think today with the connectivity, the way it is, I, you know, I mean, I don't know if this would be used or not, but that would be my guess. I haven't, I haven't tinkered with this piece of it that much. Yeah. This is the, the ability to enable the VDA to make a direct connection to the endpoint, um, and bypass the gateway. Uh, this is one of those like session, uh, not yeah, like um, service continuity, direct workload connection, rendezvous protocol, all those things that were put in place. This is okay. a setting I've tested. This this actually works pretty well. Um, you can you know you go in the gateway and that that public IP that you entered in that policy up there can also be used for direct workload connection, so that it knows that particularly like if you're in on-prem or uh, you know in a data center that's that's trusted, it'll make a direct connection between the endpoint and the VDA and bypass the gateway once these sessions established. So let me ask you is, could this also be a way like uh, for tripping it to do EDT and all those things? Yes. Really? Yes. That's pretty slick. I did not know that. Yeah, it's called direct workload connect connection. If you Google it, um, you'll get a docs article from Citrix that goes into the details. But this network location section in Citrix cloud is key because you have to tell it the IP address of your data center. And if the source comes from there, it can establish a direct connection. Think about it as if you're, think of, think of it this way, you're in the old days, you're in your office and the data center's in the same building. Uh, you don't need to go up to the cloud and come back down to get to it. You don't need that hairpin, right? You you should be able to go direct. That's kind of what this enables. So man, this to me would be great benefit for call centers. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Bill, I think the next section of the article is talking about how to apply this stuff. Is this in the service or is this the leg? This is in the this is in the as a service offering. How they're applying it based on the various things that we just 
we yeah, just, it's in the it's in the web uh, web studio, what they call it now, I think. Yeah, web studio. Okay, and so it's, is that the evolution of studio? That's all things studio now brought into one HTML um, place that is truly web-based configuration, not just publishing of the old studio. Correct. Yeah, it's all uniform. It's all HTML5 driven studio that's really the de facto now you can still get in the you can still get into the old one um but for the most part it's all gone uh web yeah they they force you to the html version now yeah so so let me try to just 100 clarify what's this is all about this is stuff that we've been able to do using physical or virtual adcs for a long time uh but now they've simplified it and brought it into the as a service model so that people that um, didn't know you could do it or didn't have the time or the ability to configure it now have it as something that's much more accessible to them. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Now, Ben, this is a question for you. You might not know the answer. Is this part of the workspace offering or is this additional ADC as a service offering that you have to pay extra for? <clears throat> I think this. I think this is going to be a separate offering outside of the ADC as a service. I don't know if it'll be bundled with Workspace or not. I don't know if we'll have a SKU that will say, you know, you get Workspace with Adaptive Off. I, I haven't seen the SKUs out yet. You know, we just got through with FKO, so I would question whether some of that's been even determined yet. I know that in FKO, we talked a lot about that there's going to be a new product offering come second quarter of 2022. So uh, I think a lot of that's yet to be seen on my end. Well, I'll tell you this. I uh, I, even, I took screenshots of Citrix uh, DAS offerings and one of them, the premium plus or whatever the highest one was included um, uh, various authentication methods as part of that offering. i I, I bet it shows up in some some flavor of the product. Um, ben, ben, help me real quick. So the Citrix workspace offerings today come in. Um, what, what's the three or four different offerings? Uh, you got premium. You've got, see, I know what I mean. Premium and standard are the ones that I mainly deal with. And then there's one in the middle. Let me look it up real quick here. But we, we really try to, and you know, now, uh, ah, man, I'm not going to go there yet. You know, there's a lot of change that has happened in the last quarter of Citrix and a lot of the product offerings are going to change and there's going to be some products that we're going to uh, still support, but we're going to discontinue selling. And that's going to change a lot of these SKUs. Yeah, I, ju I just put it up as you were talking yeah. about essential, so, standard, premium, premium plus. Is that right? Yep. So premium plus and standards is primarily where I where I play in most of the time. Yeah. And that's but again, you know, premium, plus, premium plus is going to change because we're going to have to pull some of the uh, products that we've discontinued. The endpoint management is going to come out, some other things. But like I said, second quarter of 2022 is when they're going to release the new product SKUs. Okay. And I don't think you'll see. Go ahead. Well, you mostly deal with premium, premium plus because those are the ones that include virtual app and desktop and everything else, right? Yeah, but a lot of people, man, want, are wanting to do standard just to get into uh, what is going to become the SPA where we can do, you know, the cloud presence. We can we can give you the ability to, to publish the SaaS and all that. 
Now, again, all that's merging into what's calling secure private access. So, I mean, the product set's really going through some massive changes. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do a podcast on that at some point when that starts. To <laughs> yeah. We might want to, we might want to bring one of the, uh, the, the deal desk or the FSMs because man, the product offerings change so much. It's, I'm, I'm going to be honest, man, it's hard for me to keep up with, you know, how the products are being packaged. I understand the technology and where the technology is going, but how we package it sometimes. Yeah. I have to leave that to the reps, man. No, I just tell everybody buy premium plus and they have it all. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. That has worried me here of late because um, just with the product changes, man, I, I mm-hmm. feel like that um, you got to really look at what the customer needs and, and kind of carve that solution to what the customer needs. I think the days of us throwing the everything at the customer and giving them a killer price. Yeah, I, I believe that's going to have to change as we move forward. But this has been Rogers talking, not Citrix. Well, what is your thought, Citrix, Citrix still has all the premium offerings. Uh, what you have to worry about, though, is competitors who don't have all the offerings but have just enough to add to the customer experience what they need. You know, it's, it's a it's a balance between here's it all, and I know you need it all, or you will eventually need it all, versus I got some other company coming in trying to pitch you on the basics, which they have, and uh, you know trying to win the business away from us that way, and then figure out how to how to solve your challenges later when you discover them. It's a, it's not an easy spot for Citrix. Being the market leader is not an is not an easy spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I, I'm glad to see that Citrix is is really kind of taking a step back and starting to concentrate on what we've been doing well for years, which is virtual desktop, uh, virtual application, ADCs, net scalers, those sorts of things. I, I think our customers are going to be really pleased with the direction that we're headed in in 2022 and what our product offerings are going to look like and how we're going to make things simpler. I mean, we are truly one of the only companies that can participate in all these cloud environments you know, and have a control plane in all the cloud environments. And, you know, I'm very proud of that. And I see us really doubling down on that and making it easier for our customers to create a cloud presence, get in the cloud with migration tools, and then be able to extend that cloud presence after they've gone into one cloud provider. You know, been on that topic, we should uh, we should plan to do a, a review of a blog on Citrix Desktop as a service offering uh, yes. in the coming weeks, because that's a big, a big area where Citrix wants to go play because they know there's a lot of customers that need it as a service with some management help from folks like us, but uh, make an easy button, right? Give it to me, give me a cost per month and make it easy. Well, it goes back to what you and I were talking about. I think that CIOs are starting to see that the market's going cloud and they're not going to be able to fight that anymore. So now they're willing to start biting off parts of their infrastructure to, you know, put in cloud and desktop seems to be a place where a lot of them are looking to get a start at. So, so Ben, I was laughing internally a while ago. We were having this conversation. And let me let me address it to Bill first. Ben's comment a while ago was, "We need to get these desktops out of the data center." I'm like, "Well, how'd they ever get in there?" And and I know I know how they got there. But if I'm the average person, what do you mean desktops in the data center now need to go to the cloud? Like the whole desktop to, to the layman wasn't ever supposed to be in the data center. Now we got to get them out. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, but that's the beauty of all this virtualization, you know, like uh, it amazes me how many clients I talk to that are running fat clients, but they're running virtual applications. And I'm like, well, why don't you make that next step and, and, 
and basically go thin client across the board. And you would lose a lot of complexity and management and really, you know, potential for threat by reducing that footprint on the PC. And a lot of them just don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, they don't seem to understand the concept. Well, here's uh, one way to think about it. You've got these legacy Microsoft sellers and Microsoft shops. Microsoft is pushing really hard for Windows 11 SE, which is their thin client. Uh, it's light, you know, very secure, controlled device that can get to the cloud. Um, so not only are the players like iGel and Google who have been telling the story for a while, now Microsoft's telling the story. Yeah. yeah. There is one thing I do want to mention about Adaptive Off, though, that's really cool that I've seen in the demos. Uh, MFA. You know, man, MFA was a tricky thing for me where I worked uh, because the doctors really didn't want it. They didn't they didn't want one more thing to have to do. So I kind of had a balance. You know, so what my idea was, you know, when you're in when you're in the office, we won't do MFA. If you're coming from an IP address that's us, we won't go through that headache for you. But if you're out of office, we want you to have that MFA. Man, adaptive off makes this really easy and gives you that granularity where you can say, hey. If they're in these locations, don't force an MFA on them. If they're not, then do force an MFA on them. And uh, that was really cool to see. And then uh, part of this that's not being talked about is uh, the endpoint, man. You know, we've got a zero touch client now that we can put on for people that need that direct access into the environment. Yeah. On, on a, uh, what, what, what endpoints is that limited to, Ben? Uh, right now, I think it's Windows and Apple, but I think Android's coming down the pike. Now, none of this is, is all this is tech preview from what I understand. This is not to market yet. Second quarter of 2022 is what I understand that a lot of these things start to roll out. Yeah. Well, just the idea that Citrix is always pushing forward, uh, especially around the core products these days is... That, that's encouraging for all of us. We're not out chasing, you know, I'll use Reich as an example, out chasing Reich. Now we're getting back to, you know, being what you're a leader in. That's a big shift at the company in that. Andy's opinion. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, so, guys, I think we've covered the topic, uh, adaptive access based on network-related things, uh, either predefined or, or defined by the systems administrator team. Um, anything on uh, network-based authentication that we didn't cover as a service? Yeah, the only thing, we it's, it's in the title, but we probably ought to emphasize this is preview and customers can sign up for it. There's a link in the article to sign up for it because I noticed that uh, while we were talking, I logged into my our demo cloud and I don't see it because I haven't signed up for it. So it's still a preview, preview offering. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of something. I got a new phone and uh, I use Google Authenticator to get in my Citrix uh, cloud and uh, I'm probably broken at the moment. <laughs> yeah, All right, guys. I, well, I appreciate I, you doing it. Ben, anything else? Nah, man. Uh, again, happy new year to everybody. I'm looking forward to the 2022 season and uh, man, I appreciate you letting me participate in these things. And again, um, Man, I don't claim to be an expert in all of this. I'm just like everybody else, learning all the time. So if our users, man, have something they want to add to it, feel free to email me, ben.rogers.citrix.com. I'm always open to suggestions and always open to conversations. Yeah, of course. Bill, anything? 
Yeah, I would pretty much echo everything Ben said, except my email is bill.sutton at zentegra.com. So uh, yeah, I, if, if uh, listeners have questions, uh, we're here to help you address them. Well, what I like about this conversation is Ben's the guy that can help you on the pre-sale side, figure out what you need. And then Bill's the guy on the delivery side that can help you get it done. That's uh, that's that's holistic and that's partnership. That's right. Yes, sir. All right, gentlemen. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. Thank you, Andy.